If you want, turn to Isaiah chapter 55. We're going to read the first part of verse 8. The Bible says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Tonight, I'm just going to focus on that first part. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. I could say a hearty amen to that. Because if I didn't trust God and His thoughts, I'd make a lot more mistakes than what I really make. If I didn't rely on God and His decisions and trust His prayer, trust His answers in my prayer life, I'd make a lot of mistakes. I already make a lot, but I'd make a lot more. But I'm going to start out tonight. We're going to talk about we're going to talk about His thoughts, and then we're going to talk about what those thoughts are. And to be honest with you. Back in October, I taught this lesson to the teen boy class, and that's an hour. And I had 35 minutes tonight, give or take. Um, so hopefully we can get it all in. But let's pray, and then we'll get in the message. Lord, we thank you for this night. Lord, we pray that you would just be with the message. I ask that you would have complete control of the service right now, Father Lord. Speak through me, Father Lord. Hide me behind the cross, Lord. Just help me to be your mouthpiece in this message, Father Lord. I ask that you would speak to hearts, Lord. Do what I can't do, Father Lord. And I ask that you be with our pastor, Lord. Just give him clear wisdom, Father Lord. We love him. We can't wait until he's back behind this pulpit, Father Lord, and preaching to us. But Lord, we just pray that you fill him with wisdom. Fill him with a sound mind, Father. We love you. We thank you for everything. Amen. I just want to say welcome to the Brannocks. Thank you for coming all the way from Florida to hear me preach. <laughs> Hopefully it's worth the admission. Um, and if there's any other visitors here tonight, thank you for coming. We appreciate it. Sometimes it's challenging to come out on a Wednesday night. But we thank you for being here. The first thing I want to say about God's thoughts, they're always good. Jeremiah 29, verse 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Aren't you glad God's thoughts are good? I know my thoughts ain't always good. You want a perfect example? You're out on the freeway, you get cut off, that person that cuts you off, your first thought is, well, praise God, I'm glad he did that. I bet he has somewhere to get pretty fast. And if you're anything like me, that's not really what you think right away. <laughs> but God's not like that. He doesn't look at us and he doesn't say, I told them, read your Bible, stay faithful, pray, and that's how to get answers from me. And he didn't do it. What's wrong with him? What's he thinking? But that's what we think. But his thoughts ain't those thoughts. His thoughts are good thoughts towards us. He said that he has thoughts of peace and not of evil. When we don't get that promotion at work, when we know we're the best qualified, that we deserve that promotion at work, what's our thoughts? Or is our thoughts, well, I'm glad he got it or she got it. They deserved it. They work half as hard as I work. And they deserve to get that promotion. That's not usually our thought. Or 
I, you know what I've done for this company? You know how long I've been here? You know what I've done? I've been here 17 years, and you're promoting somebody else? What? I don't even understand what you're talking about. Happened about a year and a half ago at work. We needed somebody to come up in sales, or we were going to have to let some people go. And I went to my boss, and I said, you know, I'll go up to sales. Did I want to do sales? No. I loved my job in the warehouse. I was doing what I loved. I was there for 16 years. But God said, I have something better for you. And by going up to sales, I've been able to help people. I've been able to work hand-in-hand hand with the customers that I, in the past, I just pulled their orders. But I've gotten to know, I've gotten to meet people. And it wasn't my thought to do that. But God promoted me, if you will. It wasn't really a promotion, but God has blessed nonetheless. Amen. Next question I have is, what's your thoughts when something unexpected happens in life? When COVID, for example, I know pastors spoke on this, but our church was going good. We were growing in population, if you will, attendance. And God said, well, I'm going to allow there to be COVID. And if I was to ask tonight, everybody's been happy through COVID, right? Everybody's been happy that everything's been on lockdown. I know things are starting to open back up, but everybody's happy you couldn't go out to eat and you were bound to your house for a long time and couldn't go to stores. You still can't go to most a lot of stores without a mask on. Everybody's happy about that, right? Everybody's glad that both services and aren't what we expected them to be, aren't packed out like we wanted them to be, like we thought they might be before COVID. Everybody's happy about that, right? But God said, I have a plan through this. I have an idea through this. I know what I'm doing. Just trust me. My thoughts are better than your thoughts. And that even when his thoughts don't appear to be good thoughts to us, they will be revealed to be what is best for us. I think of Joseph and how his brothers sold him. If we end the story right there with his brothers selling him and nothing else coming of it, we don't think that's a very good story, do we? What was his brothers doing? Why were they doing that? But God said, hold on. I got something for you, Joseph. I got something I need you to do. And the only way we're going to get to that point in your life is if your brothers sell you, if you go into this. That's the only way we're going to get there. Genesis 50, verse 20 says, But as for you, you thought evil against me when Joseph was talking to his brothers. He said, But God meant it unto good to bring it to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. See, God had a plan through it all. What about when King David was... When God said, all right, I want you to be king. I want you to be the anointed one. And Saul got jealous, and Saul chased him for how many years? And David ran for his life. But God had different plans for him. Or not different plans, but God had a plan through it all. All those time he spent running, God was teaching him. And because of that, we have most of our psalms. Most of our psalms that say, 
Be still and know that I'm God. You see, we look at it and we see King David running and we say, this ain't fair. This is God's anointed one. But God says, it's all right. I got a plan. Don't worry about it. What about Saul in the New Testament? Killed all those Christians. Was there in the day that they stoned Stephen? We stop the story right there. We say, what's God doing? Why is God allowing this to happen? But we go on. We see everything that Saul did. Saul became Paul. And we have most of our New Testament because of it. Because God's thoughts are better than our thoughts. What else can we see about God's thoughts? I say God has thoughts of what we should be doing in life. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. You see, each of us has hopes and dreams, and I thought by the time I hit 44, I would know exactly what I was supposed to be doing. And it seems like now I have more questions than I'm 44 than I had back when I was 18. I thought I knew all the answers when I was 18. And now that I'm 44, I say, oh, I know the questions now. Now let's figure out some answers. <laughs> but God says, I know, what I, I know what I want from you. Trust me. Trust me in all that you do. Can I tell you tonight that trusting him and his plans and dreams are better than anything you can ever hope for? You know, I was... If you're at the Sweethearts Banquet, you see mine and Brandy's testimony and how we came together back when I was all the way up until I was probably 26. If you know something about Brother Tim, you know he loves sports. Anybody know that? And I thought, my dream, I was going to leave. We were in Washington at the time. I was going to leave Washington after I got my degree. I was going to move all the way out to Connecticut where ESPN is. I was going to go to work for ESPN, and I was going to be happy calling games, whether it be basketball or football or baseball. You know what happened? God said, no, that's not what's going to happen. God said, you're going to lose your job out here in Washington, and you're going to be forced to go back to South Dakota. Came back here on vacation about a month before that happened, and I know I've said this before, but Pastor First greeted me out in the foyer out there, and he said, we're praying for you. I was an arrogant, unsaved man at that, young man at that time. And I said, all right, keep praying. Back in my head, I was thinking the whole time, I'm going to ESPN. You guys can have your church here. I, that's cool. Whatever you guys got to do, you do. I'm going to ESPN. I got back to Seattle, and about a month later, I lost my job and had one place to go. And I was back here. You see, all the time I thought I was planning my life out to go to ESPN, I thought, man, this is great. And God said, nope. And he brought me back here. It took me a while, but I finally got saved. I finally gave my heart to God. He broke me. I know I scared Miss Adrian. I met Brandy online. Went 
to meet her in person. Brandy had rented the hotel room for me in her name, so no one knew how to get a hold of me. But anyways, make that story short, I got a good wife out of the deal. Because God said, I have better plans for you. I have better plans than working at ESPN. I have better plans than what you think you have for your life. And I'd say tonight, God says that to you. I have better plans than what you think you're going to do for the rest of your life. Young people, I'd say, trust God. He has better plans for you. And then I, third thing is, I'd say God's thoughts are detailed. Matthew 10.30 says, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. What detail God has in our life that he would say, I know how many hairs are in your head. Some of us, it's a lot less than it was a while back. Jared, I'll see, I'll see you, brother. <laughs> but it's so awesome that a God in heaven would love us so much that he would say, I know how many hairs are in your head. Trust me with the rest of your life. It's pretty easy to do when you get right down to it. If you know that God loves you so much, he's so detailed about your life that he knows that. Fourth thing I'd say, I, God's thoughts are physical. Romans eight twenty nine, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. He conformed us to be just like him. A God in heaven, can you imagine the God in heaven and earth cares so much about us that his desire, his thoughts, are for us to be just like him. He wants everything we do to be like he did. The problem is sometimes we let our flesh get in the way. We don't follow him like we should. I just want to talk about what some of those thoughts are. God's thoughts are of the plans he has for your life. Like I said earlier, his first plan for your life is that you should be saved. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come from the knowledge of truth. I look around the night and I would say most people here, if not all, are saved. There's been a time that you've given your heart to Jesus. There's been a time when you've called upon him. So I'd just like to look at this a different way. We're handing out those little invitations. I want to, I just wonder, and I don't want to know, but how many of us have actually handed out those invitations? How many of us have actually went to a restaurant, left one on the table? You see, we're saved, and we're fine with that. We're happy with that as we should be. We know we're going to heaven. But Revelations 21.8, I'm going to turn over there real quick, talks about others that don't have that assurance. Revelations 28 says, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part and the lake which burneth with fire 
and brimstone, which is the second death. You see, we're good. We know we're going to heaven. But what about that waitress? What about that waiter that helps you at the restaurant? Are they going to know? Are you going to be that link that either gives them a track or you give them that invitation card? Are you going to be that link? Are you going to let them go on in their fear and their unbelieving and their sin? Or can, when you know you could be that link. But the problem is we have so much pride that we see it through our own thoughts and we see it through our own mind that, God, that person doesn't want to be saved. God, that person doesn't need you. Look at them. Look how they're living their lifestyle. Look how they're doing things, Lord. Look at them. They got tattoos all over their body. Some of the greatest Christians I know come from a past sin life, whether it be drugs, be immorality. I know some really good Christians that came out of that, and that's because somebody was that link. My question tonight is, are you going to be that link? Ezekiel 12, or I'm sorry, 18.23, Have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, saith the Lord God, and not that he should return from his ways and live? God says he has no pleasure. His thoughts are not pleasurable thoughts to know that we allow somebody to die and go to hell without raising a finger. That we don't do anything to witness to somebody. God says, I have no pleasure. My thought ain't pleasurable thoughts that I have to send people to hell because they don't accept me as Savior. God says, I want pleasurable thoughts. Does that mean everybody we give one to is going to get saved? Does that mean everybody that we leave an invitation for is going to come to church? Obviously not. But I would also say they're not going to know about our church if we're not faithful to pass those things out. If we're not faithful to give tracts to people, they're not going to know about a loving Savior who wants to save them. The next plan, or the next thought, is that we, he wants us to sing praises unto his name. 1 Peter 2.9 But we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that we should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness in this marvelous light. And that's what God wants us to do. God wants us to tell him what we're thankful for, what we praise him for. I was, I'm thankful that I was able to get up and go to a job today. I'm thankful that I have my, met, my needs met by a job. I'm glad that I'm able to stand in this pulpit tonight. I'm not worthy of standing up here. But God, in his infinite wisdom, knows who should be up here. The truth is, we should all be able to give praises of what God has done in our life. If nothing else, we are saved. Another thought that God has is that we should be holy. 1 Peter 1.16, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. It is only because of Christ that we can be holy 
But since we do have Christ, we should be holy. We shouldn't live our lives like other people. How do we accomplish being holy? Deuteronomy 14.2 says, For thou art holy, or thou art a holy people, unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. We need to be different. As Christians, we shouldn't live our life like the world. We shouldn't be able to be found at places we shouldn't be found, shouldn't be. We shouldn't have a testimony where somebody can say, hey, you know what, i seen Brother Tim. Brother Tim was going into the bar the other night. Well, I was just looking for somebody. I wasn't doing anything bad. That's not being holy. We need to avoid places. We need to flee evil, as the Bible says. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We are holy when our work is holy. I would ask you tonight, what are you doing for God? I'm not saying do you preach. I'm not saying do you teach Sunday school. I'm saying do you go to work? Do your coworkers know that you're a Christian? Those that you're around all the time, do they know there's something different about you? That's God's thoughts, that we would be holy in everything that we do. Like I said, I'm not talking necessarily about what we do for God. What we do for God falls into it. Are you doing everything you can to live for God? Are you doing everything you can to serve God? Are you... Teaching a Sunday school? Are you helping out where needed? Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. I would like to say, even though I just said, what are you doing? I love our church. A lot of churches, not everybody's involved. Not everybody's plugged in. But most of the people in this room, I can go around and you can see, or I could say this is what they're doing for our church. This is what they do. This is what they do. This is what they do. And I know that means a lot to our pastors, or our pastor. I know that means a lot to me to know that other people in this church are giving it their all. Everybody's doing what they can. And I'm thankful for that. God has thoughts of keeping us forever. He will never cast us off. Psalms 94, 14. For the Lord will not cast off his people, neither will he forsake his inheritance. You know, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about Brother Brett and going fishing. And, you know, Brett ties his lure cast his line out there, and he reels the fish in like we're supposed to do as Christians. 
when God said he'll make fishers of us. Brother Tim goes out to the lake, ties on his line, casts out his lure, and the line goes, and the bait goes clear out there. But I thought about how God's never going to do that to us. God's not going to put us on a line, throw us out somewhere, whether it be service or just coming to church, and let us go flying off while he's over here. <laughs> God's not like that. God's going to be on that shore. He's going to be like, all right, I'm going to cast you out so that I can reel you back in because I know you're going to come back to me. He doesn't want to cast us off forever. He wants to cast us out just far enough to where we can be productive for him. But not only does he cast us out a little bit, while he casts us out, he's still there. He's always present in our lives. Joshua 1.9 says, Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. What a great promise. God is always there with us. But not only is it a great promise, it's a very stern challenge that he says, I'm there with you. No matter what you're doing, no matter where you're going, I'm with you. It's like your shadow. You can't get rid of it. You can't get rid of the Lord. He's always there. So when you think you're hiding that sin, when you think you're doing something that nobody notices, God's there to notice. That shouldn't scare us. That should just be part of the promise that, hey, I might let you do something, but I'm there watching you. I'm going to, if you go witness, I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to hold your hand. I'm going to get you through it. But not only is he always there and present with us, most places that he wants us to go, if not every place, I'd say, he was there before us. Deuteronomy 31.8, And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee, he will be with thee, he will not fail thee, neither forsake thee, fear thou not, neither be dismayed. There is nothing in life to fear because... Wherever God has you to go, remember he has, always, he has already been there and is still there waiting for you to get there. God is also in his thoughts. He's not going to let anything separate us from him. Romans 8, 38 through 39 says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a promise. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. It says death. Is death able to separate us from the love of God? No, we're going to go be with him eternally. If we live for him, is life able to separate us from the will of God? No, because he's always there with us. It says angels. Angels can't separate us from the love of God. Did you know 
this is a shock and maybe even a secret. President Biden can't separate us from the love of God. No matter what laws he puts in the order, as long as we're living for God, that can't separate us from God. Powers, no one in charge can separate you from the love of God. No one here in the present, no one in the future can separate you from the love of God. It says, nor height, no matter how high you rise, nor depth, no matter how low you feel, can separate you from the love of God. And then it says creature. No, no creature can separate you from the love of God. And what a, what a promise that none of these things can separate us. That is not to say that you cannot take yourself away from God. We can walk away from God, but he's still going to be there, even though our hearts ain't in tune with him anymore. But nothing can separate us from God. I want to encourage us tonight that no matter where we're at in life, don't let your thoughts tell you that God doesn't love you, that God doesn't have a plan for you. Trust his thoughts, not your thoughts. He has thoughts for all of us. He has plans for all of us. But we've got to trust him. We can't trust ourselves. So let's pray.